If you would, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. And um, we're going to look at um, we're going to look at honor tonight. And uh, back in March, I was praying and uh, had a uh, knew some things were coming up where I was going to be ministering. And the Lord said, "Wherever you go this year to minister, which I'm going, this is me going." Even though this is home, this is me going. And so as Pastor was talking, getting clearance about what we were to do, uh, he reminded me of this. And so hopefully we'll get to the place where he wants us to tonight regarding this. And so uh, in context, in this passage, uh, Jesus is, he's just done some powerful miracles. He just encountered the woman with, uh, with the issue of blood that was bound for 12 years and and um, so she was miraculously healed and uh, healed up of that, that blood issue. And then, of course, uh, Jairus' daughter was the other person that was affected. And, uh, and so uh, that even went a lot further because she was raised from the dead. And uh, so some powerful things that were going on. And he was in Capernaum and he was preaching and teaching on healing and great things were happening there. And here in Mark chapter 6 verse 1, it says... Then he went out and there, uh, from there, and came to his own country. And I'm reading from the New King James. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished and saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which, he is, given to, uh, which is given to him? Uh, that such mighty works uh, are performed by his hand. Um, and then it says, and this not, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joses, uh, Judas, and Simon, and are not the, his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now listen to it in a New Living Translation. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So he returned to his hometown, not where he was born, but where he lived and was raised. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were right down the road. They are deeply, and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, "A prophet is uh, is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he could do, uh, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief." 
There is very few passages in the Bible, in the New Testament or in the Gospels where Jesus was amazed. And he was amazed at unbelief. He was amazed at faith. And uh, so, but I'd rather him be amazed at the faith than be amazed at, this is a lot of unbelief right here. This is, this is some unbelief right here. And so it said that he could do, not that he wouldn't do. He could do no mighty works there. And people say, and I hear this, you know, uh, quite a bit, God is sovereign and he can do anything he want to do. But here Jesus said he could do no mighty works there because of their lack of honor and their unbelief. So Jesus, wouldn't you think, I would probably be this way, that if you healed, you know, by the power of God, healed a lady that had an issue of blood for 12 years. You raised a girl from the dead. You want Uncle Joe and whoever else is at home in my hometown to experience these miracles. I, I know of a lady in my hometown, her knee is bothering her, been bothering her for a long time. I'm going to go to my hometown and deliver the power of God. But when he got there, all they saw was Mary's boy. I went to school with Joseph, and, uh, and uh, that's his brother. His sister lived right around the corner. We grew up together. And it shut down the power of God. Unbelief and a lack of honor. So to them, you nobody's special. Hallelujah. So it shut down the power of God. In Psalm 78, I think it is, Psalm 78, 41, it says, yes, and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, a lot of people say, well, God can just move. He can just do whatever he wanted to do. But this is scripture. And it says that they limited him of what he could do for them. The power of God was limited in the natural. The miraculous power of God was limited because of lack of honor and unbelief. And, and the message says, and they, live, they limited the Holy One of Israel from giving them his blessings. So a lack of honor... <laughs> And unbelief can shut down the power of God. Shut down the move of God. Hallelujah. The move of God for us. The move of God for me. If I carried a lack of honor and unbelief. Hallelujah. So uh, they're going to put this up. So what is the difference in withholding honor and showing honor? So they're going to put these up on the screen. And um, in the Greek, a timos means without honor, to dishonor, to treat as common or ordinary. So when Jesus came, he's just a nut, he's one of us. He, he nobody special. He went to J.F. Shields High School or he went to Alabama A&M. He nobody special. So they treated him without honor. They dishonored him and treated him as common and ordinary. 
So the Greek word for honor is, it looks like time, but it's time, and it means to honor, to value, to respect, or highly esteem, to treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. So, you know, with the woman with the issue of blood, she came to Jesus because she heard something. So surely these people had heard something about his ministry that they could value, highly esteem, treat precious or weighty to receive what they needed. And, it's, and it says they treated him as common, as base. You're nobody special. You're not carrying anything. You don't have anything. And it shut down what God had for them. And uh, so, without honor and honor. So we find a Bible principle here. <laughs> and when we find them, we grab a hold of them and we take them unto ourselves, right? And um, <clears throat> I am convinced, you know, Pastor Rhonda yesterday, she, um, she talked about a number of different uh, things that God has done here. And I'm sure she could have gone on for a long, 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 long time regaling about the, the mighty acts of God through this church and through the people of this church. And I am convinced that she was able to even tell testimonies because they have honored God and his things. They honor the word. They honor the spirit of God. They honor the moving of God. They honor God's things. They honor the, the miracles and things that he's done in the past and want to bring them into this time for us. They honor the blood. They honor the name. In a time when many people are pushing away the blood, but people who are putting away the word, about a year or so ago, there was a church in Nashville that decided that the word of God uh, was not relevant today, so they weren't going to use it in their services anymore. So what you going to preach? Reader's Digest, I guess. You know, what, what's happening? I would like to know whether that church is still in existence today or not. But they didn't value the word. So they value the word here. And, um, <clears throat> and they put the things of God first. So uh, they put that honor into us. And the fact that uh, uh, they were, uh, Pastor Ron was able to tell stories uh, or accounts rather of things happening in people's life is because they put the word, they revered the word, they put the word in us. And if we valued the word, we took that word into ourselves, put it in our lives, and we begin to see our lives transform in, uh, in accordance to that word, right? And so uh, pastor was talking earlier and has been mentioned several times uh, over the weekend about the supernatural power of God and the supernatural things that happen here. When I saw his face underneath my coffee, coffee table, that was God supernaturally showing me who my pastor was. He talked about yesterday when he introduced Pastor Robert, the supernatural thing that happened with them and brought, uh, eventually brought him here. Talk about the supernatural thing that happened with, that brought Pastor Rhonda here. The supernatural thing that met, they met together. Uh, supernaturally how God dealt with him and brought him here. So they value those things of God. They value the supernatural. And as they value the supernatural, the supernatural can happen in your life as well. Yes. Amen. Because you're a part of this plan. 
So I was listening to a few things. Um, when she was d- doing that, I was just I was like, why is she all over my sermon? <laughs> so think about your life. Where you were and how God brought you. Yeah, I just shared a little bit of my testimony. Uh, God brought you here and how your life has changed in hearing the word of God because they revered the word of God. And being under these pastors and being under the word and the spirit of God, people been getting born again here, filled with the spirit, marriages being restored, bodies being healed. People found their spouses here. Now, I don't know where my guy is. <laughs> Evidently not paying attention. <laughs> Hallelujah. Baby, where are you? (laughs) He's coming. Praise the Lord. And I've watched it. I've watched people, uh, even young ones here, that there was no one that they, you know, desired or date, uh, that was even here to date. And now they're married and have families and, you know, all of that because God brought them here to this place. Um, Miracles, miracle babies. Pastor Ron talked about that yesterday. Financial prosperity. Our lives being turned different now in a different place. Businesses being raised up. People stepping into a higher position at work. Um, people have uh, stepped into their callings because they've come here and, and been a part of this. People have gone places around the world. I told you about myself. Uh, even this year, I've been to four different nations just this year and ministered in three. Amen. And uh, uh, just amazing things. People, uh, dreams being fulfilled right here in this place. Because the word of God is honored. God, the things of God are honored here. And in uh, 1 Samuel 2, we're not going to look there tonight, but uh, uh, in that, God said to uh, Eli, they that honor me, I will honor. So the things that you see here, the things that we've talked about, the things that people are talking about on the screen and all of that is because they have honored God, God is honoring them. And as we honor God, God will honor us. So what's on my heart tonight to talk to you about is how honor positions us. How honor positions us for the miraculous power of God and how dishonor can shut down a move of God. And it's all about a position of your heart. It's all about a position of our heart. In our culture that we have now, there's so much dishonor in our country right now, in our culture. And it's permeating even in the church. And, uh, and so we don't want to be a part of dishonor because we saw that dishonor shut down God's power. We want God's power to be activated towards us. And so we want to be in a position or a place of honor where his blessings can flow, where his power can flow, where he can come in and do whatever he wants to do and rearrange and change and alter and bring up and bless and all of that. So we want to maintain a culture of honor in this house. No matter what they're doing out there, what they're saying out there, no matter what the news is saying, no matter what the pundits and all of them are saying, we honor God and the things of God because we are the people of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I grew up in a time where honor or dishonor was not tolerated. And her name was Geraldine. (laughs) 
and she's, she, she in heaven now, but uh, she did not tolerate it, not at all. I remember one summer, I was eight years old, and my uncle, my dad's brother, lived in Seattle. And so they, when we were growing up, they taught us to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. So when I went to Seattle, they weren't taught that. So all summer long, I got spankings because I said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And so when I get back home in August to go to school, I get more spankings because they, they beat it out of me in Seattle. And then I come back home to Peterman, Alabama, and my mom's like, I don't know where you've been, but we ain't bringing that up in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I got spankings again until she spanked it back into me, you know. So they did not play. They did not play that. And so they taught us honor. They taught us honor of people's property. Uh, if they heard that we were fighting at school or on the school bus or at Sunday school or anything like that, Miss Julia Bell had spanking rights uh, at Sunday school, and she spanked us at Sunday school and took us home, and then Mama spanked us again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, thank God those days are gone forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we honored our school teachers. We honored those that were in society that were in places of honor, and they did not tolerate. I remember one time I... I did something at, in Sunday school that she told, Miss Julia Bell told me not to do, and uh, then I got in trouble, uh, and I got hurt, and she spanked me hurt, and then she took me home and told Geraldine, and she tended my hurt, and then I got a spanking again. <laughs> so uh, talking back, rolling eyes, all of that stuff was not tolerated at all. I got some witnesses out here in the, in the crowd, it seems like. You grew up with Geraldine too, didn't you? Hallelujah. <laughs> and did not put up, it was a long way from where we are today. If I got in trouble at school, she respected the teacher and the principal, and she didn't just take my word on something, because she knew me. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and that I always didn't act right. She took their word first, and then we discussed it after she went to the crepe myrtle tree. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember one time uh, I was fighting on a school bus <clears throat> and, uh, and uh, then uh, I was fighting with my brothers actually on the school bus and then somebody else got in a fight with us. So the, the brothers, me and the brothers fought against them. So my aunt and uncles told my grandmother and she's come to the fence to tell my mom. <clears throat> it didn't go well. So she sent me to the crepe myrtle tree and I didn't get a good crepe myrtle switch. Y'all know. So she went and got three switches, platted them together. Ooh, Jesus. And, uh, and then she gets you in the, you know, and in the soft places, you know. And, uh, and I did this. I didn't cry, I just stood there. And she said, Wait till your daddy get home. So that was the last time I did that. Praise the Lord. So we, I went to bed early that night before dad got home. And I heard her telling him in the kitchen. And I was acting like I was asleep. So he gets up from the table and I hear the leather belt coming. And oh yeah, praise the Lord. So let's move on. Hallelujah. So we did dishonor. 
Uh, we were taught when uh, your elders walked in the room, you stood up and gave them the chair. You greeted them when you walked in the room, you know, those kinds of things. And, uh, and so they didn't put up with that kind of stuff uh, out of us. And so we honored people and they taught us to honor. And uh, what's happened to honor in our society today? And could it be that a lot of the ills and the things that, that are happening is because there is a lack of honor and we're not taught that honor anymore. So it wasn't tolerated. Y'all know when the, school, when the street light came on, when it started buzzing, not when it's fully on. Because if you're not there, she's standing in the doorway waiting for you to get home. Those kinds of things. So dishonor can shut down the blessings of God in our life. And so we don't want that to be a part of us. We don't want that to be in our life. We want the power of God. We want the mighty acts of God in our life. Amen. And so dishonor closes off uh, us from uh, what they have for us. Uh, if we don't honor our teachers, we don't honor people in society, we don't honor our mom, our dad, our grandparents, all of that. What they have for us, our ministers that God puts us under, what they have for us gets shut down because of that dishonor. Um, <clears throat> and you can be, if you have an attitude of dishonor, you can be around the most anointed person and it not affect you and you not receive anything. So our reception of the things of God, our, uh, how we treat the things of God matters because it matters to the effect that affects our life and how much it blesses our life. Amen? Um, so this generation desperately needs to develop a spirit of honor. The word of God says that they were born for signs and wonders. But if they're acting in a place of dishonor, they're not going to see the signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. Um, let's see here. I've kind of gotten off telling my Geraldine stories. Uh, let's go to Numbers chapter 12. So we're going to look at a couple things here about dishonor and uh, how... Uh, Things were shut down, and then we're going to we're going to end on a good note. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. So here in Numbers uh, chapter twelve, this is uh, Miriam and Aaron and Moses, and uh, and so uh, Moses has decided to marry an Ethiopian woman. So uh, she's of a different nationality, a different skin color, and then um, Miriam and Aaron are complaining about her, and. <laughs> And so, you know, in the house, it's amazing because Jochebed had to be doing something right. Moses was the first, um, you know, um, prophet. Uh, Miriam's the first praise and worship leader. Uh, and Aaron's the first priest. So something had to be going on right in her house. But then because he married this woman, they uh, got upset about it. And so they begin to complain and, and murmur about it. And uh, in Numbers 12, verse 1, it says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman when he ma married her, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And then it says what? The Lord heard it. 
he heard a spirit of dishonor. And it, Moses, it's the youngest one among them. And so I don't know if, you know, if that was part of it or anything like that. So uh, then it goes on to say, see it there. Uh, so they can't receive from him. They're saying, why isn't God using, God uses us. God talks to us. Why does he just use Moses and all of that? And, uh, you know, and with a spirit of dishonor, you know, if you're that way, you know, you can't, nobody can preach you into happy. Nobody can send you into happy. Nobody can minister to you because you're not able to receive anything from them because you've shut down the power of God to you, the word of God to you with a spirit of dishonor. There's a lot of things going on in our society right now. And this cancel culture idea, I'm glad that God just didn't cancel me when I, when I did something wrong. I'm glad he didn't just, you know, the, like the cartoons you see go poof and the eyes fall to the ground, you know. Aren't you glad his mercy was extended towards you? And when somebody says something wrong, that you can extend a kindness. Maybe they're having a bad day and you just don't write them off. You have to be careful about that kind of stuff because you're so in seed toward that. And so if you do that to somebody else, guess what? It's coming back to you. What you sow. And um, so I remember uh, recently I was listening to Joyce Meyer and she said there was a lady that was coming to her, her conferences for a while and uh, the lady decided that Joyce wasn't anointed anymore. She said, you know, I'm just not getting anything out of her messages anymore. I'm just going to stop going. She stopped giving to the ministry and everything. And after two years of being gone, she comes back and <laughs> she has an opportunity to talk to Joyce. And she said, you know, I stopped coming to your conferences uh, about two years ago. I stopped giving to your ministry, she said, because frankly, I just didn't think you were anointed anymore. And, uh, and she said, well, well, you're back. So what is that about? And she said, well, I was praying and the Lord told me, he said, it's not Joyce. She's not the problem. You're the problem. And he said, you have gotten so fat on the word and what you've heard, you're not giving out and there's no room for you to receive anything. So you're not doing anything with what you have. And, uh, and she said, I, and the Lord told her that after she started praying for Joyce because she wasn't anointed anymore. She was praying for her to get anointed again. And so the Lord dealt with her and dealt with her heart. Remember, we're talking about positioning your heart to receive the things of God. And so once the Lord dealt with her heart, all of a sudden, Joyce is anointed again. <laughs> Joyce didn't change. What happened? Her spirit of dishonor that she had in her heart and then obeying what the Lord told her to do to start giving out made room for her to honor the gift of God. Hallelujah. And people do that all the time. When they start thinking about leaving a church, the pastor's not anointed anymore. Okay, got real quiet. <laughs> we'll move on. So they're, they're complaining and the Lord heard it. So in Numbers chapter 12, it says, and suddenly the Lord said to Aaron, to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of a meeting. And so the three came out. <laughs> So in the tabernacle, what they did was you could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year and only the high priest. So the Lord told Moses, tell them to come out to the door. 
come to the door. And he said, and I will meet them there. That's how serious he took it. He came, he said, I'm not waiting for Aaron to come back and do his priestly duties. I'm coming to the door. And he met them at the door. Anybody, parents, met you at the door? When you were being dishonorable or you were not obeying what they told you to do? This must be where the early training started right in here. So he said, and, and, uh, and then the Lord, verse five, then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. Now, anytime that happens, that's probably not a good sign. Uh, and so, uh, and then it goes on to say, hear now my words. Then he said, hear now my words. And he's talking to the two of them. He said, <laughs> the three of them came out and he said, you two come forward. So there's no mistake who I'm talking to. And he says, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my, my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he says, the, uh, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and departed, and the cloud departed from above the tabernacle. Suddenly Miriam became leprous and as white as snow. And Aaron tur turned, <laughs> he turned toward Miriam, and, and there she was like a leper. And so Aaron went to Moses and said, Oh, my Lord, please do not let this sin lay on us, in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. Please do not let uh, her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord. So here they are talking about it. And the Lord is angered against them. And the, uh, Moses, the meekest man on the face of the earth, goes to the Lord and said, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, he would have put her to shame even uh, seven days. He would have put her out of the camp. And he said, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and get this, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And after she moved, the, afterwards, the people moved from Hazra and uh, camped in the wilderness. So what uh, Miriam did and Aaron did is shut down the people of God from moving forward in the things of God. You know, the Lord's been talking to <laughs> the body of Christ, really, and our congregation as well, about not allowing the things that are out there. The things in over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about uh, the things that you behold, you become. And the Lord has been telling us, eyes on me, eyes on me. Why? Because if we're beholding CNN, if we're beholding ABC, if we're beholding CBS and all the alphabets, if we're beholding what they're doing, we're being transformed into that image of what we're beholding. Rather than looking at him and looking at his face and being transformed into the image of him. And thereby, those things that are out there are creeping into places like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So leprosy brings with it isolation. Mm -hmm. 
So when you have it, you don't have to tell people that you got it because they can see it on you. And leprosy is contagious. So is dishonor. So is the spirit of dishonor. It carries an attitude with it. Again, you can't, you, people are singing, the word is going for it. You can't feel it because you're in a spirit of dishonor. In Genesis chapter 9, and um, we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute. Uh, Noah spent 40 days and 40 nights on a boat with all these animals, and he shut up with his family. And the first thing Noah does when he gets off the boat is that he starts drinking. And you probably would too if you were shut up with your family on a boat for 40 days and 40 nights. We went to the ark up in uh, Kentucky. Let me out of here. So he started drinking, and, uh, and Ham went in and saw him. He was uncovered and saw his nakedness. He went out and told his brothers. And so uh, he went back, the brothers went back and took a blanket, and they backed up, and they covered their father. They saw some flesh. Ham saw some flesh. And a lot of time in our leaders, people in society, people who are in places of authority over us, we see flesh. Because they're just like us. They put their pants on one leg at a time just like you do. They get angry. They have challenges in their life just like you do. And, uh, and so rather than, and I'm not talking about covering up sin, covering up things, because, you know, when things need to be dealt with and all of that, you deal with it. But his brothers, instead of, because he was exposed, instead of talking about it and all of that, they covered it up. Love covers. And so if someone's not acting the way that you think they ought to be acting or in a place of authority that you think they sh- what they should be doing, love covers. Pray for them. Pray for them. And so uh, what happened was the two brothers that covered him up, uh, he pronounced a blessing up on them. But with him, he said he didn't curse him. People say that he was cursed. He cursed Canaan. So dishonor not only affected him, but it affected his children and his children's children. And dishonor will affect our children and our children's children. Um, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 17. In this anniversary and, you know, why are we talking about this and positioning ourselves for honor? Because for 30 years, we've been operating in a place of honor. That's what's been functioning here. That's what's been flowing here. Uh, The very first service, Pastor Mark tithed to the nations because God says tithe. So he honored what God said about that. Uh, You know, all of the different things that we've talked about, you know, in the last uh, 24, 48 hours of things that God has done here. Is because they honored. And, uh, <clears throat> and so that culture of honor, we want to maintain and even do more in that spirit of honor. And, uh, and uh, make the, uh, continue to make this place a place where God wants to put his name, 
where God wants to come and flow, where he wants to come and do miracles, where he wants to come and bless your life, where he wants to prosper you, where he wants. And so in this atmosphere, uh, Brother Hagen said this, and see if I can find it real quick. He said, a, a place of reverence, when, a, uh, when we reverence God and give him the honor and worship due unto him, his presence will fill the place where we're gathered. And we know where his presence is comes everything else with him. Amen. Hallelujah. So we want to maintain that place of honor, that culture of honor. And so we have to watch it. What we behold out there, that it not get in here. Because there are people waiting for a place where the power and the presence of God can move so their lives can be changed. Positioning ourselves, honor positioning us for the miraculous, for the power of God. So in Luke chapter 17, there was a, um, I will start in verse 11. And it says, and Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border be, uh, between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell down to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. So he was someone who didn't have a covenant. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up. Your faith has healed you. In the King James, it says, your faith has made you whole. This man positioned himself for a greater miracle. How many of you know if you've got leprosy and it stops, that's a, that's a wonderful, powerful thing. So they went on their way, the nine went on their way and their leprosy stopped and they were gonna be pronounced and they'll be able to enter back into society because the priest had to pronounce them clean. But I, uh, I never seen this before and I looked at uh, the, I was just sitting and meditating on this passage. And the Lord said, look at the word glory. So it says in here, Jesus says, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. So according to the Strong's uh, Concordance, this word glory means honor. It means praise. It means worship. It means dignity always a good opinion concerning one resulting in praise resulting in honor and glory splendor brightness magnificence excellence preeminence grace and a thing belonging to God so when he came back I never saw glory and honor uh, that that word was defined as honor he came back and honored Jesus and thanked him 
I just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Jesus, I thank you, thank you. I want to say thank you, thank you for all you have done. I want to say thank you, thank you. Jesus, I thank you, thank you. I want to say thank you, thank you for all you have done. So as he's thanking the Lord, his nose pops out. His fingers pop out. Places that were missing. <laughs> Restored. Made whole. It said made whole as he gave glory and honor and praise and worship and thankfulness to God. A spirit of honor. He positioned himself in a place for wholeness. <laughs> Isn't that something? I would have been thankful not to have leprosy anymore. And out of his gratefulness, his heart of honor, Jesus had more for him. He had more for the nine. Because he went a little further in his honor. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I want to say thank you, thank you. I want to say thank you, thank you. For all that you've done. So I was praying and meditating on this. It didn't quite come out uh, the way I saw it in my heart. But the Lord said going forward. He wanted us to continue to position ourselves for the miraculous. Maintaining a heart of gratefulness, a heart that's thankful, a heart that honors God, honors the things of God. And uh, he said to remain a place where God continues to put his blessing, we must continue to cultivate a spirit of honor. Our honor affects our positioning to receive. We cannot let culture dictate to us our course and how and who we honor. The Lord hears us in our house. <laughs> I remember uh, when I was at the table at uh, the Olive Garden with pastors that day. Pastor Rhonda asked me, you know, did I have experience working with children? And I said, uh, <clears throat> well, um, when I came back from Bible school, I was working with, um, with the children's ministry on Saturday. We went downtown and we bused some kids in uh, and they had church on Saturday. And uh, so I was on the bus and uh, when we were getting ready to take them back, and I was on the bus, and this little four-year-old boy that I was trying to get him to sit down started railing off F-bombs to me like this. 
And before I knew it, Y'all know who I was raised under. His little feet was dangling in the air. So the children's church, uh, he's driving the bus, and he's looking in the rearview mirror because I'm facing him, and I got the little boy up like this. And he's squirming, you know. And uh, he said, Miss Belinda, you need to put him down. I said, no. Did, did you hear what he said to me? And he said, you need to put him down. I said, no, did you hear? I'm not gonna let a four-year-old drop F-bombs to me. I mean, he's cussing, did you hear him? Miss Belinda, you need to put him down. And I wouldn't put him down. And so one of the ladies, Miss Carolyn, on the bus, so he told Miss Carolyn, go get him. But how many of you know it's not that four-year-old's fault? He heard that somewhere. And that's why she didn't put me in children's church. <laughs> you might be thankful. Thank you, thank you. I want to say thank you. I don't know, but Miss Christine was close. Miss Christine was close. If you ever knew Miss Christine, you met Geraldine. So we didn't put up with it. Well, I hope my whole point of that is it's a reflection. Pastor Ron, I think, said in the last few days, maybe Pastor said it uh, last few weeks, that we, this generation, that is responsible for the next. And so if we're hearing things coming out of them, if they're acting in ways that they shouldn't be acting, it lands on the generation before. So we can't let culture dictate to us the course and how we honor and who we honor. Could it be maybe in our own individual lives that we've missed some mighty works? Because of a lack of honor. Could it be some breakthroughs in our life? Finances are needed in our life because of a lack of honor and unbelief. But this man, he wanted all God had for him. And he didn't come back for that. He just came to say thank you. He just came to say thank you. And in that honoring, in him, Jesus said, is there none to come back and give glory, to honor, to praise, to worship, to in majesty and excellence and all of that. So in that presence of him doing that, wholeness came to him. 